as they say, knowledge is power. So if you understand what you need to do, mm -hmm. it gives you the ability to do it, but you need to understand it at first. And That's you need right. to get the message out there that you know, the little tips that you can do, and, and you start, and, and I actually believe that this starts in childhood. I mean, mm. you need to have kids have a, a sleep regimen that's, that is stable because mm -hmm. that's a habit. Sleep yeah. is a habit, all mm -hmm. right? And we can fall into good and bad habits with sleep, right? So you want to establish a good habit. And I know when you get adolescence and college, it kind of falls off. We all know that. But yeah. if the, the foundation's there, if diet is there, so obesity is not a problem and mm -hmm. diabetes is not a problem. And understanding all of that, it just leads to future improved yeah. health care for society. Yeah. And that's what this is really about. Yes. Educating all of us about health and yes. sleep. And welcome to the One Shot Podcast coming from you, coming Dude, keep rolling. <laughs> yeah, keep rolling. Just <laughs> make we don't, mistakes. Hey, guys. One take. Just be quiet for one second okay. so I can do this All again. Right. <laughs> and welcome to the One Shot Podcast. We are coming to you from L.A. Uh, as uh, you've heard, we are at the Super Bowl this week. We've been talking about it. has been excited about the partnership with Sleep Number and uh, coming out here and having uh, the opportunity to interview a ton of yes. great people. Yeah. Um, None more important, you may not know his name, but none is more important than the guest that we have on right now. Absolutely. Uh, so we are joined currently by Dr. Peter Polos, uh, who is a board-certified sleep specialist and pulmonologist, uh, so studies... Uh, Dude, that was impressive. Well done. That was. <laughs> that I was. I would not have that. Anyways, so... Uh, so Really what that means is uh, we're just going to stop talking and we're just going to let him run this yeah. because he is <laughs> yes. way too smart. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but uh, Dr. Polos has a really great relationship with Sleep Number and understands the importance of it. And we're going to dig into that a little bit later and, and really what how our culture right now views sleep and, and some of the things that we can do to just really give accurate information um, the importance of it, and then maybe some uh, some tips, some applications that that our listeners can use uh, to to really improve it and to ultimately improve quality of life and performance. Uh, but first, we want to understand how you came to really be passionate about this. So let's let's go back. You live in New Jersey now. Where are you from? Where were you born and raised? How, how did how did Dr. Polos come sure, to be? Sure. First, thanks for having me, and this mm -hmm. is a great opportunity. So, yeah, I was born in New Jersey, went to undergrad at Rutgers, and uh, then wound up in LSU. Mm. Went to grad school and med school down there. How was that culturally? Jersey and, <laughs> and Baton Rouge. Mm. Baton Rouge are two completely different. I know. I can imagine <laughs> when you go down so, to Baton Rouge and they hear your accent. Like, so, what? you know, I, there's an old Mark Twain line I'm going to take that I was born and raised in New Jersey, but I really grew up in New Orleans. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay? So yeah. follow that. Yep. So I spent about 12 years in New Orleans. I got a Ph.D. in microbiology, and I taught for a while, and then I went to med school. Mm. And then I wound up in South Carolina for my pulmonary and my sleep training. And then went into uh, practice. And it was there that I got turned on to sleep. Mm. That, um, and this is going back a few years ago where sleep wasn't quite in the mainstream as it is now. Mm. But there was something about it just appealed to me. 
because it's something we all, it, it's, it's the one thing we all do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Every one of us. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to be a need that, uh, that, you know, was just on the precipice of becoming significant. So I, I've been doing that for a long time. I teach at uh, Hackensack University Medical Center in, uh, in New Jersey, and I'm part of a pulmonary group, and I teach future uh, sleep physicians. Mm. I've come to hook up with Sleep Number uh, because, uh, and this is, this is really kudos to Sleep Number and to the league, that they're understanding that sleep is important. Mm -hmm. And just as the, as the league and all of us understand uh, the importance of nutrition, of working out, of recovery, of safety, concussions, et cetera, they're also acknowledging sleep's an integral part of, of total health of the athlete and on a bigger scale of, of society, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah that's the wild thing about sleep is we all do it. Every single person does it. But most of us know nothing about it well, or how to effectively. Do yeah. we do any other activity more in our life? No. 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 Right. But yet we dismiss it and we don't pay any attention right. to actually doing it well. Right. Well, that's, it's always been dismissed. Basically, you know, I, I can remember my mother at a young age. Is my, my mic still not hot, man? Oh, you no. Know, there you go. Mic. There, there you we go. go. Is that better? Yeah. Oh, there yeah. we go. Wait but it's always been dismissive in the sense that you're not working hard enough. You, if you're sleeping all day long, and it was an era. I, I can remember being a young kid. My mom saying, hey, sleep is the is a, uh, uh, something like, you know, sleep is death. Like For you, the devil? Yeah. yeah. If you're, sleep if, when you die. Yeah, you sleep when you die. And, yeah. we, and, and, and you got to get up. You got to grind it out. You got to work hard. And that has always been my mindset. So it's not just – it hasn't really become something that – until, until the last couple of years, they, the awareness is really coming there. Absolutely. I mean, as a specialty, sleep medicine is relatively young when you consider things like, you know, cardiology or, or you know, other things, oncology and all. It's, it's pretty young because, again, there was no really formal studying, understanding of it. And you're right. It's a badge of courage. I mean, when I was in medical school, the, the guys and women who got little to no sleep were the studs. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. You know, if you were, had a night of call and you were on for 36 hours, and you can say, I slept two hours, and somebody else would come along and said, I got about eight hours of sleep. He was dismissed, or yep. she was yeah. dismissed. Soft. Like, oh, you work hard Soft. Right. Yeah. You're yeah. absolutely yeah. soft, man. And there was this badge of, of you, you will perform better if you sleep less and you're, you're toughening it out. But we know that that's not true. Uh, but... You're right. It was the old, you know, you'll sleep when you die. You got plenty of time. Sleep to get is up. the cousin of death. That's, that's what she there, used to Oh, use. there it yeah, is. That's the one. There you go. Yeah. That's what, I mean, talk about uh, in healthcare, right? It, doctors that are on call, especially doctors that are working in like emergency departments. It's like, okay, you're on call for 36 hours. What if I catch you and I come in with a, a major trauma and you're working on me an hour 34, 35? I mean, do yeah. you really think that you can perform at the best. highest level, yeah. hour 34 and yeah. 35? Now, look, not saying anything bad because I'm thankful for the service that they give and the, you know, the care that they're giving. But, I mean, it's just so backwards. It, it is. And I can tell you, when I trained as a resident in New York at NYU, we did 100-hour weeks. Whew. Wow. Okay, so mm. now think about that. It's 100-hour weeks. And about halfway through my residency, there was a push from the state to say, we have to cut this back because yeah. there were some issues, et cetera. So the state made this great decision, and they cut us back from 100 hours a week to 80 hours a week. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> no, wow. but, man, that was great. That's that's massive. That was like, that's, whoa. Yeah. That's yeah. massive. That's, yeah. like, that's like, what am I going to do with all this free yeah. time now? I've got yeah. 20 more hours a week, you know? Right. It's like when your kids graduate college. You know, <laughs> like, what am I going to do with all this money? <laughs> 
So, but that's, that was how it was. And, and I think, again, now that's even evolving, where that, that the schools, society, everything is sort of mm -hmm. saying, hey, we got to pull back on this pushing people like this. And, yeah. so, and the fact that we're having this conversation right here at Super Bowl tells you everything. Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. that, that it's elevated to the level that people are going to tune into this podcast and say, I want to learn about sleep yeah. because it's meaningful. Yeah. So when did you start to see the movement? Great. What year was it that you started to see, okay, people are really understanding what sleep and recovery is all about? I would say probably about 15 years ago. Okay. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that relatively that recent outside the scientific community. Yeah. Okay? And the science was a little bit before that. But where the average person on the street, I would say 15 years ago. And I started to notice maybe around that time too, and you all probably noticed this too, uh, in, in a movie, for example, you might see a guy laying there with his mask for, for his sleep apnea, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. the CPAP mm -hmm. right. mask. Yeah. Okay. They would never talk about it, but suddenly you could see it on the bed table or the guy yeah. would put it. It would be a joke about it. Yeah. But the point was it had already started to infiltrate mainstream mm -hmm. um, with, with some acknowledgement that there's a sleep disorder or something like that. So yeah. I would say probably about 15 years ago, we began to think, how much sleep should we get? Yeah. Why is it important? And how do we achieve it? Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm 37 years old, and you know, in my lifetime, I feel like we're at a point where just life is faster than it's ever been. Mm, sure. and, and maybe it's just the the world that I live in, and maybe it's always been fast. Um, but one of the things that I feel like we we are evolving in is that we are are less reactive. Like we're at least thinking, okay, we can probably eliminate some of these problems if we're being proactive about it, right? And sleep for a long time was, okay, if you just can't sleep, right? You've got sleep apnea, you snore, we'll treat you. We'll, we'll, just, we'll just give you, um, you know, a, a machine or we'll give you a, a mouthpiece, we'll give you something like that. Um, but now the importance of sleep, it's, okay, don't get to that point. Let's start doing the things that we need to do. You know, turn the blue light off, make sure that the lights are down, make sure you're not, you know, activating all these things that we're going to talk about a little bit later. But Actually, now I, I do feel like we're talking about, okay, hey, look, whether I have a problem or not now, I've got to maximize sleep so that I can perform at my peak. And I just think, I mean, that's kind of a testament to where healthcare is in general is going, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. as opposed to just being yeah. sick care, now we're actually just wellness care. Right. At wellness, least the mindset of it. That's huge. Because, you know, you know, as they say, knowledge is power. So if you understand what you need to do... Mm -hmm. It gives you the ability to do it, but you need to understand it at first, and you need right. to get the message out there that you know the little tips that you can do, and and you start, and and I actually believe that this starts in childhood. I mean, mm. you need to have kids have a, a sleep regimen that's that is stable because mm -hmm. that's a habit. Sleep yeah. is a habit, all right, mm -hmm. and we can fall into good and bad habits with sleep, right? So you want to establish a good habit. And I know when you're in adolescence and college, it kind of falls off. We all know that. But yeah. if the, the foundation's there, if diet is there, so obesity is not a problem and uh -huh. diabetes is not a problem. And understanding all of that, it just leads to future improved yeah. health care for yeah. society. And that's what this is really about. Yes. Educating all of us about health and yes. sleep. But how do you get, here's, a, I got to go back to this. How do you get this, the message out? Because it's not just the athletes. Like, we, right now we're, no. we're here at the Super Bowl, and it's easy for us to have this conversation about athletes and, and all these uh, you know, organizations are understanding, you know, recovery. But how do you get it out, to the, this message out to the masses that are out there, kids that are in the inner city who just sleep a couple hours because the airplane or helicopter's flying over and whatnot, and then they have to go and perform 
you know, at school the next day. How do we get it out to the masses? So I, I, think, I think that's a terrific question and not an easy question to answer, mm -hmm. I have to admit. But I, I think it starts again with reaching out to, to schools. For example, at our program where I train, we do a lot of uh, outreach programs and go into the community and, and sort of preach the gospel about yeah. sleep mm -hmm. to, to students, to the schools, mm -hmm. uh, to the high schools. And I, I think it starts, it starts there. It starts with parents um, tuning into a podcast or open up a magazine and go, hmm, let me ask my doctor about this. Mm -hmm. And then there's a little bit pressure put on the physicians who might not have otherwise thought about it. Okay? Right. So an informed consumer is a good consumer. Yeah. So, you know, mm -hmm. you need to ask the questions and force the healthcare system to respond to your questions and yeah. your needs. Right. Yeah, and I think we're just, we're so performance driven. If we're sending a message to the youth about, hey, how this correlates, how this correlates to performance, whether it's in the classroom, whether it's on the field, whatever it may be, because if you just say, hey, you need to sleep, then it feels like, you know, a parent telling a kid they want to take a nap. They're just going right. to fight it. Right. And I'm like, I want to shake my five-year-old sometimes. Like, do you realize how lucky you are that you get to take a nap? <laughs> do you have any idea? When was the last time you nap? Oh, I know. Exactly. <laughs> Actually, uh, Tuesday. And uh, it was the best thing that's ever happened to me <laughs> in the last year, at least. Um, but and, and, and I just think the delivery, and, and it's got to come from, you know, the Darren Woodsons, the Brandon Marshalls, mm -hmm. you know, the, the people that have performed at the highest level that recognize it to get that message in there, and then the medical community comes in and reinforces. Because, I mean, that's the world that we yeah. live in, right? You've, yeah. got to, you've got to start with the, the flash, right? And then you come in with the credibility behind it. Yeah. Not, so, so not that you're not credible, Darren. I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to, didn't mean to yeah, put you, you like that. Say that. Yeah. So some of our practical standpoint, somebody's listening to this, they're open to it, they're receptive. They're like, okay, I, I need to fix my sleep, but I'm stressed at work, I've got young kids, there's just all these things in my life, I just can't sleep well. What's the first step? What do I do first if that's the position that I'm in? So also a very tough question. So I, I look at it, there's like two buckets. There are elements that you can control and there's el there are elements that you cannot control, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So child care is one that you have maybe, depending on the age, a little less control of, yeah. okay? Mm -hmm. So you have to sort of roll with that as that comes up. You have a work responsibility. You have to spend, you have to commute. I have patients, you know, who... I'm in New Jersey, and they have to be in Manhattan at 7 a.m., so they're up at 4 a.m. to get ready and get on a train or a bus at 5 to be in Manhattan at 7. Mm -hmm. Can't do anything about that. Yeah. Okay? I can't, they're not going to quit their job. So, yeah. so their sleep is really squeezed. So the elements that you can't control, unfortunately, we have to live with. The elements that you can is what you have to address. And then you say, okay, when I can sleep, what is my issue? Am I not falling asleep? Am I not staying asleep? Am I mm -hmm. uncomfortable in my sleep? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, then you break that down. And that's where really, I think, you know, the, the benefit of a sleep specialist comes in, yeah. who mm -hmm. can go through an itemized list and say, here are the things that you can do. We're all being squeezed. And I was telling someone just the other day, you know, there was a time, we all, we all have our own sort of circadian rhythm, yeah. right. okay? Mm -hmm. When, you know, when our hormones, when our body wants to drive, but there's also external factors mm -hmm. that, that trigger that. And there was a time our sleep was very much dependent just when the sun was up and the sun was down. Mm -hmm. okay, then along comes the light bulb. And a lot of people, you know, just kind of, I would say anecdotally, blame the light bulb for our, our, our loss oh, of sleep as a, yeah. as a culture, as a world. Well, you know, that's a little much. But, it's, but, but th what that tells you is that then you weren't having to wait for the sun to go down yeah. and go to sleep. You could stay up a little later. And now we become, a, obviously, we have been for years a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week yeah. 
global society. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there's no going back. Yeah. But that's an element that you can control. That when it's you've designated your time to sleep, you need to shut it all off. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so to your question is you can control the elements that you can, and it may not be perfect. Sure. And perfect, you don't have to achieve perfection to have improvement. Yeah. That's a great point. Right. Yeah. That is an excellent point because yeah. anytime, and we just talked about this building habits, you think I've got to go all in or I've got, no. got nothing. It's a complete yeah. failure if I don't change, if I don't overhaul Yeah, everything. if I'm not sleeping nine hours a yeah. night, yeah, I've failed. So right. let's go into that. Let's get into that as far as external distractions that could harm your sleep. So, you know, there's, there's kind of a standard list of things, and you, you all have named a few of them, mm -hmm. right? So, so the, the biggest impact mm -hmm. is, you know, our technology. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, and we, we did a huge study a number of years ago at our institution. We, we went um, through, we had a survey of over 3,000 high school kids and looked at their sleep habits, and they were horrible. Mm -hmm. And the best part was, for us was that they they were very candid and you know basically said oh yeah I go to bed nine to ten o'clock my parents tell me I'm dead nine ten o'clock mm -hmm. and by you know one o'clock I'm still on my phone yep. now that doesn't come as a surprise to us but it was interesting to see it as hard data so I think the number one thing is shutting down your technology yeah and we you know generally about an hour before that not only is it because of stimulating the brain but that blue light thing that you yeah. mentioned right kind of inhibits the release of a, of a hormone that promotes sleep, melatonin, mm -hmm. that gets delayed. Mm -hmm. That delays that delays your sleep onset. So that to me is really number one. Then you look at your sleep environment. It needs to be quiet to the extent that you can. Yeah. Unless you have a little two or three year old crawling up in the bed with you, which is <laughs> yeah. a good thing because yeah. when that goes away, you're going to miss that. Yes. So you embrace that now, yeah. suffer with it, and then yeah. when they're right. 21 and you look back and go, I miss those days, yeah. it's not so bad. Yeah. Okay. So having said that, you control those things that you can. Mm -hmm. You say, okay, I want a cool environment. That's a mistake I think a lot of people make. You really need to keep your bedroom probably 67, 69 Man, degrees. would you tell my wife that? All right. My wife? All right. Victory. Yes. Victory here. <laughs> yes. I go through the Agreed. same thing. Agreed. So, tell my electricity bill that, please. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. You go through the same thing with your wife and you're the sleep expert? She, want, uh, she wants it warm and I'm, yeah. I'm kicking. I'm saying we can't uh. do this. We can't do this. So... I win, yeah. but it's but it's a tug of war. <laughs> yeah. All right, it shouldn't be, but so, it is. So why why does the the cooler room affect our sleep? Great question. So so one of the triggers to promote sleep is that your internal core temperature drops. Uh -huh. So okay, think about think about back when you were all younger and all we were and up all hours of the night. And I would bet that you would, there was probably times maybe two, three, four in the morning you were exhausted and you get like a chill, like yeah. you feel like oh, I feel, I'm tired and you shiver. That's your body's core temperature dropping because of your circadian rhythm. So, but you're fighting it, right? Mm -hmm. Your body wants to sleep and you're trying to stay awake, okay? Yeah. So you, what helps to promote that drop in temperature is external temperature yeah. and internal. So when you have a very hot room, your body temperature is now working harder to drop because yeah. the external temperature mm. is higher. Yeah. If you can get, if y'all can get your wives like I did to lower the temperature, it makes that internal temperature drop uh, more more efficiently. Yeah, yeah. And you say this now. I've gone through the process. My my wife likes it hot in the in the room, right? So I have my sleep number bed, and it came with the chiller. Yeah. All right. The chiller comes on about one o'clock, and I'm telling you, the sleep my sleep has absolutely changed. It cools down the body. Yep. 
and now I'm not waking up as much as I used to. So that so that's the thing. We have we have that as well on mine. We've got the chiller as well because that was a way to sort of solve the problem. And that's the benefit of, of the bed is yeah. that you can, mm -hmm. if if you want a cooler and she doesn't, you can you can achieve it. Yes. She should have it though too because it will help promote her, her sleep. To be yeah. honest with you, but I don't care about her sleep. But, <laughs> I care about my sleep. In the long run, you might. Yeah. <laughs> What about like a what about like a cold shower or something like that? Is there any quote unquote free freeway to get the same effect as the chiller? Is it, can you do a cold shower before bed? What other things can you do? Yeah. So the the problem with the cold shower actually is that you you if your body perceives that that sort of shocking cold outside, it may generate some heat to try and warm itself mm, up because yeah. it's 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 an externally like very cold temperature. It's going to be colder than 67, 69 degrees, gotcha. right? You're not taking a, temp a, a cold shower at 67. Your water temperature is probably in the 50s. Right. That's kind of a shock. So yeah. then it, it's going to have to try and compensate. So generally, if you took kind of a warm shower, uh -huh. um, maybe an hour or two before, so then the body's like, okay, I got to cool down. I'm a little yeah. warm. Mm -hmm. And then it starts the process, okay? Oh. You turn off the electronics. Mm -hmm. You make the room dark. TV, I'm going to be honest with you. I have a TV in my room. I got some, my sleep guys are probably going to shoot me for saying it, but um, it's okay. If, yeah. if, if you put it on and you're watching something that's kind of boring or something yeah. and you can kind of promote your sleep, it's okay. You yeah. can't be watching something that you're really locked into Riveted, yeah. or kind of doing one of these, you know, you're going to binge watch 10 episodes yeah. in a row. Don't do that. Yeah, so just turn the Darren Woodson show on, the old show. Just turn that on YouTube. Put it on your TV. It'll put you Snore. Right to sleep. Snore. Snore. Right to sleep. Yeah, love me. <laughs> You'll never sleep. <laughs> But okay, so I went. I uh, I went to an event where there was uh, a neurologist that came, and he talked about this. He talked about mental performance, um, and he said sleeping at like sixty-five to sixty-seven degrees promotes uh, some sort of cognitive awareness the next day. Is that because of the deeper sleep that you get because of the temperature? Yes. So you know, there's also there are stages of sleep, right? Yeah. I think yeah. we, we all know about REM sleep, but there's stages before that yeah. that are very important too. Stages one, two, and then we call deep sleep and then REM sleep. Okay. And those are transitions that you go through cyclically every night, about every 90 to 120 minutes, you go through another cycle. Mm -hmm. Each of those uh, help the body muscles to, to, to relax, growth hormones release in the deep sleep. Then you get to REM sleep. That's when you start to consolidate everything it is you learn that day. Mm -hmm. So when I talk to athletes, I say, for example, you're, you're running past patterns. You're, running, you're looking at plays that you learned. Maybe you watch video tape mm -hmm. all day. Yeah. When you get your REM sleep that night, that reinforces what you learned that day. But it applies to whether you're an athlete or to anybody else. It's yeah. a way to clear your memory, your mind of the trash that you picked up during the day and focus on learning and consolidating your memory, mm -hmm. which helps promote cognition. So I'm always looking, I've always heard about REM sleep. Is that when you're really starting to dream as well? That, that's your dream state. So it's interesting thing about that, you know, so when we're in REM sleep, your brain is lit up. If you look at scans mm -hmm. of the brain, yeah. it's extremely active because yeah. you're, like I said, consolidating, dreaming yeah. and all. But if I, if I did EMGs on your muscles in your body, there will be no activity. Yeah. Whereas in mm. the other stages of sleep, it's almost the reverse. Huh. Twitching. And, yeah. and why is that? We think, we think the reason that is was because you would otherwise act out your dreams. And we just think in oh. terms of evolution, right. man has adopted that, okay, I'm going to dream, but I can't, if I'm going to dream about being chased, I can't get up and start chasing, okay? Mm -hmm. But interesting, there are some sleep disorders 
where that, that breaks down and these patients will have dreams that are active dreams and they act them out. Mm -hmm. So there's a disconnect. There. Okay. That's so true. where does sleepwalking come into play here? Is that, does that person's brain not have the ability to shut down their body to actually move? What, what is that? Yeah, so if it occurs in REM sleep, it's a disconnect between mm. the muscle, the, sort of the, the muscles just going flaccid and the brain being active there's a disconnect and then there's, there's motor activity. And, but you can have sleepwalking in lighter stages of sleep too, especially kids, they, yeah. they, they, they outgrow that. I was a sleepwalker as a kid and it just stopped. It, it's not uncommon. Uh -huh. Just gotta make sure the environment is safe. Sure, right. yeah, yeah, and that's, that's one of the things. Okay. okay, my wife just came over here. I want you to reaffirm what temperature you should sleep at just one time. You pass I, I'm not off. doing no marriage counsel now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but please. 67, 69 degrees. Yeah, room yeah you should have seen yeah. her face if just you, drop. Yeah, right you now. can't see her on camera, but she is, yeah, she's not. She's I know not we're buddies, and you're Italian, and I'm Greek, but I'm going to tell you, 67, 69 degrees hey, is ideal. Hey, Maybe I'll squeeze it to 70. The but science has yes, spoken. It, Sorry. And, and Tiff, you take that message you go to tell the you. other Tiff and Whitney as well. Spread it around. Sorry? Excuse me? Is, is well, not, a, yeah. this isn't the stage for that. What was the question? Is, is there a difference between male and female on the yeah. temperature that they need? No. No. Yeah, no. No. You're a human. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, so when, as you're falling asleep, and this is another question that, because I, I would twitch. What is twitching when someone is, is, when they're having these twitches before they go to sleep? Yeah, so those are called sleep starts. They're okay. very common. Uh -huh. They don't, if they occur early in onset of sleep, they're meaningless. Yeah. Uh -huh. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, it's probably just neurotransmitters that are just sort of starting to be cleaned up in the body. Yeah. The, 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 that's not a problem. It, the problem is when you get in sleep and you have something like we all have heard about restless leg syndrome or people right. who are moving their legs when they sleep. That's a different phenomenon. And that, okay. that should be treated because it can be very disruptive to the sleep. Yeah. You could sort of be asleep all night, but you wake up fatigued because it's like you were running. Yeah. All yeah. yeah. And, that's, and I'm going to speak specifically to my, to my issue with that, that I've had. So I've had some multiple surgeries in my time of playing football. Neck, well, shoulder, shoulders, and now I have a neck issue. How is, and I want to talk on specifically with sleep, the sleep number bed and how I can get better sleep, even though I've had these type of surgeries. What are some, if I had, a, if you're someone that's out there right now and they've, they've had, uh, you know, shoulder pain, uh, rotator cuff, what kind of remedies could they, that, that, that are out there that can allow them to sleep? Yeah, and better? even positions, like yes. sleeping positions yes. within a bed. So, so, again, it's back to factors you can control and you can't control. You had to have the surgery. Surgery may leave you with some discomfort, which okay. eventually may go away or maybe not go away, depending mm -hmm. on what you had done. So then what can you control? Well, obviously the sleep number bed is, has the advantage of being able to tailor your, your firmness, mm -hmm. the temperature we've already talked about. So when you have that ability between that, their, their pillow, for example, which, by the way, my wife is crazy about the pillow. I couldn't mm -hmm. believe how crazy she was. It's literally almost mm -hmm. as good as a bed, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I have to agree. I was yeah. surprised at how well that was received. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's, it's extremely well received. So if you have that and you have that ability, then you tailor it to what makes you comfortable. In general, people always ask me, should I sleep on my stomach or on my back or on my side? It's whatever's comfortable for you, but in general, I think stomach sleeping can put your can put you at some mechanical disadvantage yeah. in terms of your neck mm -hmm. yeah. and alignment. Okay, yeah. um, side sleeping, back sleeping, should be no problem. You adjust the bed accordingly, yeah. um, and that 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 need may change, and that's another advantage of the bed. That maybe you know you're you're two weeks post op, 
what you have in terms of need for comfort may be very different than when you have four months post. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the great thing about the bed too is is if you got the 360 smart bed, is that you can start on your back, and then if like me, I always try to start on my back, um, and then I'll just end up on my side. Well, the bed will adjust, bed adjust, changes so that now okay, I don't wake up with a sore hip or a sore right. back because right. it's too firm. It'll right. soften and, and allow that. Position. It's trying to allow the proper alignment. Right. So, mm -hmm. so, so that's where I think people get into some trouble is that they're just malaligned. Mm -hmm. Okay, and so uh, achieving that, achieving that with taking advantage of what the bed can do for you, yeah, helps promote a better night's sleep. Yeah, you know, we spend a lot of time, rightfully so, on you know bedtime and the bedtime routine and and how to sleep better at night. What I want to ask you is, what are some things we can be doing during the day? to set ourselves up. Now, again, obviously we can't control all the life stresses, but are there things that we can start doing during the day to set ourselves up for success at night? So I think probably one of the first things I'd say to that is, you know, is, is what you eat and drink mm -hmm. is very important, mm -hmm. okay? So, you know, you have your dinner time, uh, you know, things, stimulants like caffeine, et cetera. I know that's obvious, but it's worth saying yep. that those shouldn't be too close to bedtime. But similarly with alcohol, and that's a question I get mm, all the time yes. from my patients. You know, I'm going to have a glass of wine. wine yeah. It puts I'm me to sleep. It puts me to sleep. Yeah. And, you know, I tell them, yeah, it puts you to sleep, but it puts you to bad sleep, mm, okay? Yeah. It promotes your sleep. You'll fall asleep faster. But what happens is, and we've all experienced this, mm. what that does is that REM that we spoke about mm. a moment ago, it delays, depending on how much you drink, it delays that cycle of REM, mm. Okay. So it puts it off later and later in the evening, okay? When that happens, it builds up pressure. Mm -hmm. The REM will come back because it's, it's internal in you. It has to come back. It will come back and often promote you awakening in the middle of the night. And I think we've all had that where you have a good bit to drink, you're full of sleep, and for some reason you wake up at, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, you're a little confused. That's likely just that REM rush coming yeah. back and mm -hmm. saying push. So the alcohol thing, not a good thing. Mm -hmm. Winding down in advance, watching what you eat. Exercise is okay. A couple hours before bed. I'm yeah. sorry, exercise is okay. Uh -huh. Okay, um, now, yeah, that's a good question because I do enjoy working out at night. Yeah, it seems like it's harder to go to sleep. Yeah, well, you don't do it too close to bedtime. Okay. You know, a couple hours before. And it also depends on the kind of workout. Yeah. You know, I guess if you're going to do a very intense cardio workout, it could really delay your sleep onset. If you okay. can do some stretching, yoga, some light, you oh, know. That definitely ain't happening. <laughs> Fall asleep before the workout's over. Have you ever seen a grizzly bear try to stretch? <laughs> Not your favorite athletic activity, I'm sure. Oh, what man. about water? Water intake. When should you stop drinking water before bed? Is there a time limit or is there... You just drink as much as you want. You drink to be hydrated. You know, and like I, I tell I, this is a heck of a thing to say, but I'm going to say I tell my patients, and, you know, I was a big marathon runner before I messed up knees. I, my goal always was to have, you know, your, your urine should be almost like watercolor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if you're properly hydrated, it, and if you achieve that, you're in pretty good shape. Mm -hmm. Now, do you need to go over that? It's, and if you're there, you're probably drinking enough. So yeah. if you want to, you know, eight or ten glasses of water a day kind of thing, it's what, reasonable. What about, you know, maybe older men? Older men struggle with this more is they've got to get up and they've got to go to the bathroom in the middle <laughs> right. of the night. I mean, it's a real thing. It is. Help Darren. Don't look at me. Help Darren. Don't look at me. It's going to happen. Yeah, it does. He does happen. Already it happens. He kind of looked at me crazy. That's why he asked you the question. So so if I'm Darren, should I just wear a diaper to already have one my name on it <laughs> initials the whole 
So uh, is that just something, hey, look, that's that's something we got to deal with. Is there something that you can do to... Well, there's two things about that. You know, it, part of it is just the inevitability of age, okay? Yeah. But the other thing that's important is I've had patients who will get up multiple times to go to the bathroom, and it turns out what's waking them up is not the need to go to the bathroom, but they may be having a sleep okay. apnea. Ah, uh, okay. So, yeah, let's so they go have down their that apnea road. event, yeah. Yeah. and it, that, that choking wakes them up. And when they wake up, they go, I'll wake up, I'll go to the bathroom. To to the, okay. yeah. And I've had it many, many patients in my career who you treat their sleep apnea, and maybe they still get up to go, but they're going less frequently because yeah. now it's just a natural to go and not induced by the apnea. So okay. where is the sleep? I mean, we've had a lot of conversations about sleep, sleep apnea, and it's a, it's a term that's being, you know, that's coming to the masses now. Everybody's kind of under. Break down sleep apnea for us. So obstructive sleep apnea is, is pretty simple. It's, it's where the airway, the soft tissues in the airway, the back of your throat, the palate, the, the uvula, the tonsils, all that back there, when you sleep at night, it relaxes. And in patients who are prone to obstructive sleep apnea, and we'll talk about why they are, uh, it relaxes more, all right? Yeah. And so now you take in a deep breath, you're sucking in air, you make a negative pressure up in your airway, it pulls the tissues together, and you try and breathe, and they're obstructed. Okay. And then what happens is then you have the apnea. There's no airflow, and then you have a big arousal. So I'm going to do it. I know this is a podcast. So you'll have somebody be snoring. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. They'll do that yeah. pop open. Yeah. Uh -huh. yes. And it's that pause and the pop open. The longer the pause, that's the apnea. Okay. The risk factors for that, some you can control, some you can't. Again, men more likely than women until women become postmenopausal. Then it's about yeah. the same. Okay. Weight is a yeah. factor. Mm -hmm. Neck size, mm -hmm. 17 and a half or greater, puts you at a greater risk. Gosh darn it. What are you, Terrible. like 23? Gosh darn it. Uh, <laughs> you get giant 23. <laughs> you know, over the years, I've become a pretty good tailor. Somebody walks in my office, I say, uh, 18. Oh, 18 and a half, huh? 19 and a quarter, sit down. Sit down in the chair. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. um, uh, family history. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so what can you control? You can't control age. You can't control sex. Watch the weight. Yep. So part of the treatment for obstructive sleep apnea is weight reduction. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But by itself, often that's not enough to, to prevent the need for treatment with you know, the, a machine. Yeah, it's like the chicken or the egg, right? It's, it's sleep is affected by nutrition, and the nutrition is affected by good sleep. And it's like you've got to do both of those. They work hand it, in glove. It is. And then what happens with these patients, what they do is they're fatigued. So what do they do? They say, well, they're going to eat more for energy. Yes. And yeah. what do they yes. eat? They eat carbohydrate and yeah. eat trash food. Yeah. So then to get that little burst of energy, their insulin drops. They get tired again. Now they put on some weight. Right? It gets worse. And I could go over yeah. and over about that. And one thing about the, the thing, position, people will ask, well, what about raising my head? And here's where the bed can come in. If you are a snorer, elevating your head can help alleviate the snoring because it can open up the airway. Yeah. However, however, if you continue to snore or you have excessive sleepiness during the day and all, despite the benefit of raising your head, you might still need to see a sleep physician mm, because yeah. you may still have sleep apnea. Okay, yeah. so Dr. Polis, I want to talk to you specifically. If, I, if, you, if I'm one of your clients and I'm coming in uh, to see you, how would you break me down? Like the process of the it. The process of breaking. What are you looking I'm, at? I'm, I'm struggling sleeping throughout yeah. the night. Okay, so I'm not a psychiatrist, so I won't get into your head. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. Go but ahead. I don't have, there's not much there. Anymore, so. Right. So, well, not much left. So <laughs> we got, I'd, I'd ask you what your primary complaint is. Mm -hmm. If you're telling me, you know, um, I'm, 
I think I'm fine. My wife says I'm snoring, which is a very common scenario. Yes. The guy's yeah. okay. I got no problem. And yeah. she goes, oh, you got a big problem. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that, that's a tip-off. Oh, you tell me, you know, I sleep through the night, but I'm so exhausted when I wake up in yes. the morning. Then I need to go into, A, do you snore? I look at your height, weight, all of that. I say, how long does it take you to fall asleep? Mm -hmm. Are you waking up at night? What's waking you up at night? Mm -hmm. um, do you nap? On, do you nap? If you could nap, do you nap? Yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. Do you sleep differently on a weekend when you don't have to go into work? And I, I established sort of a pattern for you, which then guides me into what I think you, whether you have sleep apnea, whether you're just a snore, whether you have insomnia for other reasons, and then the management of that is very different. Yeah. yeah. All right, so one of the things I think that's important um, is, is understanding a lot of people are like, okay, well, where do I start? Do I just go to a sleep specialist? Do I, do I go meet with somebody? I think a big thing is, is understanding and tracking, right? How do I figure out what some of my problems are? The great thing about the sleep number, right, is I'm learning, okay, hey, I had a really good recovery last night. Or I had a really good night of sleep. You know, it, it's, it's measuring my resting heart rate. It's, rate, you know, recognizing me heart, my heart rate variability. I mean, it's, it's creating my circadian rhythm. It's, it's showing me what it is. And then, okay, now what are the factors that I'm doing that contributed to either a bad score or a good score? And at least now you know you have the tools exactly. in order to, and it's, it's probably the process. I mean, what you do is going to be a little bit more, in depth, not a, a, quite a bit more in depth. Uh, but getting started on something like this and tracking and saying, okay, hey, yeah, I feel good, but what do the numbers say? Yeah, the what does the points. data say? Yeah. Right. right, and so the benefit of having the bed with that data is to take that data you know, to your physician, who, you know, they're going to have to learn how to interpret that as well, yeah. okay? But... You, you have a benefit. It's not just a guess how much you have mm. slept over the past week. Yeah. It's actual hard data. And, you know, you and the physician can look at the, at the app, look at the data and say, well, what, was, what are the patterns? Do I see every Thursday night my sleep is bad? What do I do on Thursday nights, for example? Because, you know, you might not yeah. be thinking about it. Yellowstone just because, released. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very good. Good series. Yes. I binge watched it at night. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> we don't recommend binge watching. That is not good for just sleep. Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't do it. Don't do it. I love it. <laughs> it has that effect on people. Um, so you take the data. And so this is data that, you know, listen. It, this is the most data that's, that's available right now. Yeah. And it's data that is useful data, whether you're a professional athlete or the guy on the street, that can look at you retrospectively and say, here's what you've done. Here's a change that came into your life that may have improved or uh, adversely affected your sleep. And then what can you do to change that? Yeah. So it's, it. it's what we said earlier. It's knowledge is power. You yeah. take that knowledge and you take it to, you study it yourself, Take it to your physician, and if they don't know, then you say, I'm going to find a sleep specialist, and yeah. we're going to sit down and try and make sense yeah, of this. And I think that's a good way to wrap this up is well, how do I know who to trust? You know, if I don't live in the New Jersey area, I can't go see you, Dr. Polos. How do I know a good sleep specialist from a from, – it's like there are probably a lot of them. So how do I know who to trust and who's a good one to go look So, for? I mean, there are, you can go – the American Academy of Sleep Medicine, for example, is like the, the website where you could go and find out where there are boards. You want a board-certified sleep specialist. Okay in your area mm -hmm. who understand sleep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are a lot of guys and women who do sleep, but a board-certified physician has really been trained in it. And yeah. I think they can take this kind of data and add it to what we were just talking about earlier, your yeah. profile as you come yeah. in as a patient, mm -hmm. and then put it together as an overall picture. I love it. And last question, and we're going to finish here with this. I think this is, this is really important. We talked a lot about sleep and, and how to correct it, but why? So talk to us uh, 
Tell us why it's important to really focus on your sleep from a longitude standpoint, how it's going to affect you long-term. Because yeah, yeah, I may feel, I may feel crummy the next day, but why long-term is this really important? Be, well, let's look at the benefits of sleep is probably the best way to answer that because then you think if you're not getting it, these are the things you potentially can lose. The benefits of sleep, we talked about cognition. Mm -hmm. We talked about memory consolidation. We didn't talk about the fact that poor sleep can have an adverse effect on metabolism, yeah. glucose and insulin metabolism. Mm -hmm. Long-term, fragmented sleep can, uh, with some hypertension can lead to some pre-diabetic states. Mm. We also know that your immune system is intimately tied to sleep. And I know mm. you all had a podcast talking about cancer the other day. Mm. Um, we know the importance of the immune system, not only for day-to-day -day living, but the immune system in cancer patients. And having proper sleep allows the immune system to regenerate, to respond to outside antigens or things that, bother, that are attacking the, the body mm -hmm. so that it can be primed up and go. So I would say metabolism, weight, mm -hmm. cognition, mm. immunity, and overall sense of well-being and being engaged in the community. You can't walk through life sleep-deprived with sort of this veil in front of yeah, your eyes yeah. and you're missing out. Yeah. On life. Yeah, I love it. All right, so. Wait, 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 no, we got, I got one more. All right. How did you get connected with Sleep Member? How did this marriage come together? Oh, um, yeah, that's, uh, actually I was contacted by uh, an outside, Sleep Number decided they wanted to, to pursue this and I give them credit for that. They went through a recruiting agency. They looked up me, they looked me up and found out what my background was and we spoke and it was kind of a, a marriage of. Uh, I love it. That's Perfect awesome. marriage. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think the takeaway from this episode for me is, number one, go get myself a sleep number bed, which I already have one. So if you're listening, go get yourself yeah. a sleep number bed. Start tracking the things. Start tracking your data. And then go find Dr. Polis. Go move to yeah. New Jersey yeah. and yeah. let him stick <laughs> it's horse. It's horse country. It's beautiful. It's a horse there. country. You've got good yes. beaches. It's it is not, it's not the Jersey that you guys are thinking of. It's I not promise. the Meadowland. <laughs> it is the Meadowland. No, it is so, not. It is so a little, Giants jersey. little play on Dion is, hey, you want to feel good? You want to look good? You want to live good? You better sleep good. There you go. You better sleep good. Hey, hey, hey Dr. Brother. Polos, thank right. you so much. Thanks. I appreciate the insight and the time and what you're doing. Thank you all very Again, much. Again, the One Shot Podcast here with Dr. Polos. Appreciate you. Follow us. Subscribe. We got a lot of content coming from the Super Bowl. And, again, this episode today was as important as any of them. So thank you right. so much. Thanks. Thank you all very much. Thank, thank you, sir.